Hi, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron and I'm joined today by JJ and we're so glad you're here. And I hope you'll take a minute today to share this service with someone that you think it might encourage them, impact their life. You can send them a text message, newcity.us sermons. You can email them. You can even share this on Facebook or YouTube. Just let somebody know that this matters to you and it might help them. And hey, if you're new here, we wanna say a special welcome to you. Thanks so much for joining us. And we love a chance to connect with you. You can do that by going to newcity.us connect, fill the form out there, and I'll be in touch with you this week. Yeah, and today we're being joined by our friend Jake Packett, so let's get ready to worship. Good morning, New City Church. Thank you for joining us this morning. We're gonna sing a couple of songs together. We're gonna lift high in the name of Jesus. So wherever you are, let's raise our voices, let's raise our hearts, and let's sing together. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole Worthy is the king who conquered 
promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my I thank you, God, that your spirit is not bound by a building, but that even online we can tune in and experience your presence, and most importantly, to give you glory, God. We ask, God, that this time gave you the glory that you deserved, and we thank you for your generosity, that you bless your people when we lift praises to you. So we give you this as a sacrifice. In Jesus' name. What a great opportunity for us to worship together today. No matter where you are or how you're watching, we're glad you made the time to be with us. 
And here at New City Church, one of our core values is that community is our design. And the way we live that out each and every week is through community groups. And if you wanna be a part of a community group, we'd love to make that happen. We have an event coming up in just a few weeks called Group Link, and it's the easiest way to get connected. You can go to our website to learn more, newcity.us grouplink, as well as get registered right there. Yeah, and another great way to stay connected here at New City is by following us on social media. Whatever platform you're on, we're on it too. And we know sometimes social media can be a little bit less than encouraging. And we hope to be the opposite of that, bringing you encouragement, uh, information on what's happening. And I hope you'll take a moment to follow us on social. And if you wanna partner with the work that God's doing through New City Church financially, we wanna make that easy as well. You can go to newcity.us give to learn more information about how you can give online. Each and every week, we're celebrating some really amazing only God stories here. And we want you to be a part of that. Now let me pray for us as we enter into our time of giving. Heavenly Father, thank you that you allow us to partner with the work that you're doing in our city and in our world. And Father, I pray that you would take the gifts that are given today and this week and that you would use them and multiply them for your kingdom and your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Today we're joined by Idlewild Pastor Travis Janusik, who will be bringing us part four of our Nehemiah series, Rebuilding. Good to see all of you. Welcome to New City. My name is Travis. I'm the Ottawa pastor here. I am very thankful and honored to be speaking to all of you today as we continue our worship with Jesus together by going through his word. If this is your first time, I want to say a special shout out to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Please know it means the world to us that you're taking the time to participate, and we would love to connect with you. If you have the chance, please go to our, our website, newcity.us, or you can also go to our app, the new city.us app where you can find lots of info and, and you'll find places where you can reach out. We would love to provide you with even more resources. You'll be able to see the notes from the sermon today as well as be able to reach out to one of us because as I said, we would love to connect with you at some point. But just once again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we truly are thankful that you've decided to join us. We are currently in the book of Nehemiah in a series that we are calling Rebuilding. It's a remarkable section in the Bible that recounts the story of a man named Nehemiah and his desire to go back to the city of Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. And it's, it's just amazing how throughout all this, he ultimately helps people reconnect with God. And so we're going to be in chapter four today. But just by way of quick recap, I, I want to just highlight a few th key things from from the first three chapters, a lot has happened. It's just a remarkable book, and if you haven't read through it, I, I, I really invite and encourage you to do so. But in the first three chapters, we learn some key things. One, that Nehemiah is a cupbearer for the king Artaxerxes of Persia, and he has learned that the city of Jerusalem and its walls have been torn down, and this leaves Nehemiah in a very distraught place. His heart is very restless, and he asks the king to go back. And amazingly enough, the king allows him to do this. And so uh, God uses this man of deep and sincere faith uh, to, to help lead these people to go back to the city of Jerusalem and begin rebuilding. It's just an amazing story. As I said, I hope you can read through it if you haven't already. But as we're going to see today, as with all things in life, 
not everything is unicorns and rainbows for Nehemiah. And this is where we're going to pick up the story of chapter 4 as we begin to see a lot of opposition come forth. But before we do that, would you mind joining me in just a quick word of prayer this morning? Jesus, we want to come to you today, and I just want to thank you again for the, for the people that are watching and are hearing this message today. God, my, my simple prayer is this, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me, that you would use the very words that you've written down to help draw people closer to you, that, that the power of your word would simply speak into our minds and to our hearts and help us know what it means to encounter you, to experience your love and your grace in our life and help it shape us to live as you've called us to live. God, thank you for this time. It's in your wonderful, holy name that we pray. Amen. Well, as I said, we're going to be in chapter 4 today. There is a lot that has happened, and we won't get through all of chapter 4 today, but I do want to begin with verses 1 through 5. So if you do have a copy of the scriptures, I invite you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 4, looking at verse 1. We're going to go through the first five verses here. So if you, if you can, follow along. It says this, verse 1, Simbala was very angry when he learned that they were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think that they are doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, That stone would collapse even if a fox walked on top of it. Then Nehemiah prayed, Hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. May their suffering fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders." I don't know if you've ever encountered bullies in your life. I'm confident that all of us have encountered really difficult and mean people. But one of the things that, that makes a bully truly effective is their ability to beat you up from the inside. I think we often associate the idea of a bully as someone who becomes more physically aggressive and becomes violent, right? I think one of the things I always depict is, is you know, that classic scene of a, a kid going up to another kid and he says, give me your lunch money, and he punches it in the stomach. But in fact, I would argue that bullies are actually worse than this because bullies know how to intimidate and beat people up emotionally through fear and intimidation, and causing people to sink into their own despair and and lose a sense of hopelessness. This is their go-to move. Well, as we see here, some of the worst bullies in in all of the Bible are these two guys, Sembalat and Tobiah. Look again, verses 1 and 3, right? It, it, so Sembalat, as he's becoming angry, he says in front of the, his friends and the army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think that they're doing? 
It's interesting, all right? This is not the first encounter that Nehemiah has actually had with these guys. If you go back to chapter two, you'll learn that when Nehemiah originally returns, that these guys actually show up on the scene and they do begin to start scoffing at them and they ask, what are you doing here? But it's interesting when you get to chapter four that these bullies have stepped up their game. They're going to take it one step further, right? As we just read, when Symbolic says, you poor and feeble Jews, that is classic bully language right there, isn't it? To just start intimidating people with their language because they know the most potent form of intimidation begins by assaulting people's minds. They begin to insult their character, by calling them poor and feeble. They begin to insult their overall job performance. And the idea here is to hopefully cause them to question what it is they're doing. But interestingly enough, that's exactly where a bully's weakness lies. And Nehemiah knew this, right? See, bullies are all concerned about being in control and exerting their power. Bullies want to play a game where they come out on top, where they want to win and make others lose. But Nehemiah, a man of great faith, he knows this, and he does the most important thing that you can do, which is, especially when it comes to standing up to bullies, he stands up for what is good and what is true. Look again in verse 4 and 5 here, right? So after hearing about all this, verse 4, Nehemiah prayed, Hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall on their own heads. May they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. I hope you find Nehemiah's response here to be both encouraging and maybe perhaps challenging for you because, you know, I think for us, when we face opposition, when we encounter enemies in our lives, at least for me, I think the tendency is we want them to instantly face vengeance. And even Nehemiah is not afraid to admit that here, right? We want them to, we want to pay them back for the wrongdoing that they've caused on us. We want to play their game and we want to come out on top. But, but it's so spectacular here that in one of the most unsettling moments of his life, as Nehemiah is representing the people here against these great enemies, he doesn't play that game. And in fact, it says that Nehemiah began with prayer. I just, and I want us to capture what it is he's praying for. He, he's not afraid to say, God, you know, I want you to enact judgment. But the, the thing that I want us to capture here is that ultimately what what Nehemiah is doing is he says, God, I want you to handle it. You see, I don't think this is really how our our culture usually handles things. Um, You know, as I said, I think the tendency I have is when when I encounter things like this is I I want to fight. I I want to go toe-to-toe with people, and and I want to make sure that people get what they deserve. There's a side of me that wants that, but I I read Nehemiah and I see in his faith, he says, no, but God, I want you to take over here. I need you to to handle this, and I'm going to trust you to do that. Yes, Nehemiah wanted justice, but above all, what he wanted was for God to take control of the situation, and he proved this by beginning with prayer. You know, I, I hope we sit and pause for a moment and just realize the power and the importance that prayer has in our life. You know, prayer not only connects us with God, 
It not only allows us to, to voice our hearts and our concerns to God, but one of the things that prayer does is it helps reset our minds and our focus and allows God to speak to us the things that he wants us to hear. Um, you know, it's interesting, Nehemiah could have responded in a lot of different ways. He could have uh, spoken up and gotten really angry towards them, but he doesn't. He begins with prayer. And I think one of the reasons why he does that is because Nehemiah is not afraid to admit that he needs God. You see, when, when we recognize our own depravity, we begin to recognize God's divinity. You see, our prayer is one of the greatest tools that we have. You know, um, as I was thinking about it, I realized that, you know, no matter the situation, no matter the uncertainty, we can never go wrong by beginning with prayer. Good or bad, challenging or easy, prayer enhances everything we do in life. And the challenging part, I think, at least for me, is that we tend to begin a process first and then invite God into it. But Nehemiah teaches us, no, begin with prayer and, and see where God takes us. Let's continue on here, looking at verses 6 through 9. After, after Nehemiah has prayed this, it says, at last... The wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashitites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. It's quite remarkable that even after being mocked and being emotionally assaulted by their enemies, Nehemiah does manage to keep people on task and to the point where they actually continue with enthusiasm. You know, usually when, when people face this opposition, they often uh, slow down at the very least, if not quit. But that's just the opposite here. And yet we also see something else happen with the bullies again. Nehemiah's faith and his ability to stand firm actually makes them even more upset. Now, I want us to take notice here of the severity of what's going on. Because originally we talked about how Sambala and Tobiah were starting to mock them. But we, we learn here in 6 through 9 that they upped their game yet again with the support of the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashtatites. Now, it's important to notice here because if you were to look at a map of Jerusalem and you were to, to map out these different these nations and these people groups, what you, what you see here is that, in fact, uh, Nehemiah and the whole city of Jerusalem is completely surrounded. Okay? Uh, all of these people groups were essentially bordering them, and so they forced them into the circle, right? And from a security standpoint, there is no worse position to be in where you're, where you're literally cornered in and you're surrounded by all sides, right? Maybe you've seen this, this happen in movies a lot, right, where there's a fight scene and, and, a, and a small group of people ultimately get condensed down because they're completely surrounded. Well, that's, that's really where we find Nehemiah and the people here. It's, it's a very scary moment. And yet, once again, what do they do? Verse, verse 9 says, but we prayed to God. 
once again, Nehemiah says, let's go to prayer. The neat thing here is that this time, Nehemiah brings everyone else in with him. Up in in verse 2, it was, um, you know, Nehemiah saying he prayed in the ideas that he was praying alone. But here, verse 9, we hear that he brings everyone else in on that. So despite this opposition, despite all their enemies, they stand firm in the Lord. You know, one of the things that we, we've, we've realized throughout history is that whenever you take a stand on anything, there will always be opposition. We know this to be true in our own culture, don't we, right? You take a stance on anything, somebody will argue it against it, right? Uh, we live in a very divided world, right? I, I could make a video and put it on YouTube, and if I said, you know, we need water and food and air to survive, I promise you if enough people watch that video, somebody's going to argue against that. That's, that's how divided and broken our world is. And, you know, sadly, we also live in a world that is separated from the truth and the love of God. And so it comes as no surprise then that as we hold firm the true, the truth of God's word and especially the gospel message that we too will face opposition. Um, just as Nehemiah did, you know, Jesus himself said, you know, the world will hate you, but remember the world hated me first. You know, Paul told us that, you know, the, the very message of Jesus would be crazy. In 1 Corinthians 18, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says that the message of the cross... Or, or the truth of the gospel, essentially. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing. But to those who are, who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, that the deeper our conviction, the stronger our mocking and opposition can become. But, but we hold these convictions to be true, not for the sake of being opposed, not for the sake of being mocked or bullied, but we hold these things true because of the power that we know that it has in our life. You know, I, I hold the, the truth of this book to be true because I know the freedom that it can provide for you and for me and for everybody in this world. But with great faith means great opposition. The final verses that I want to look at today is, as we begin to close out this part of chapter 4 is that even though as, as Nehemiah has rallied people as he's continuing to keep most of them on point, we do learn that some people do start to lose a little hope. They do begin to look, take their eyes off, off of, of God. Look at verse 10 here. It says, the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired. There is so much road to be moved. We will never be able to build the walls by ourselves. Meanwhile, the enemies are saying before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall and in exposed areas. It's a very difficult place for a leader to be, not only to stand up against opposition, but to keep people rallied and to keep their vision on what is right and what is true. And yet, I think what you're going to see here is the way Nehemiah will do this is the best part of this chapter. And I'm going to argue it's probably one of the best verses in this entire book. Look at verse 14. Then as Nehemiah looked over the situation, I called to get, he called together the nobles and the rest of the people and he said to them, do not be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. 
All throughout scripture, there are hundreds and hundreds of verses calling us to this idea of what it means to, to not forget the things of God, to, to remember who he is, remember his character, remember all the things that he does for us. My, my favorite um, chapter in, in the book of Psalms, Psalms 103, Psalm 103 says, in the beginning it says, let all that I am praise the Lord and may I never forget the good things that he does for me. We, we need these constant reminders in our lives. We, we need to hold fast the promises of God. You know, as someone who even struggles with anxiety, I have to tell myself this often. I have to bring myself back to ultimately God's word and what he says to be true. You know, Nehemiah tells the people, he says, I, I need you to stop and I want you to pause for a moment. I want us to remember who God is, the God who is great and glorious. Now, Here's something really interesting, okay? Uh, there's something really spectacular about this verse because uh, that I don't want us to miss here, and it's really easy to do so. The verse says, remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Some of your translations may say that the God who is awesome and mighty, all of which are, are totally fine, and, and they're not against at all the original Hebrew language there. But the word here used for glorious, there's something really neat about it, okay? The original language actually goes much deeper than that because the, the word here would have in fact be better understood as something to be feared. In fact, something that would be feared or in fact dreaded. And in other words, what Nehemiah says here is, remember the Lord who is great and dreadful or to be feared, it's not a typical word we use to describe God, is it? In fact, if I was to poll a group of us, I, my guess if I said, you know, what are some words you'd use to describe God? I don't know how many people would choose this word or a word similar to it. But in fact, what Nehemiah reminds us here is that this is in fact who God is, that God is extremely powerful, that he is mighty, and he is a force that cannot be reckoned with. In fact, you can go so far to say, I would go far, so far to say that, in fact, God is dangerous. The King James Version, believe it or not, says the, the great and terrible God. Now, please don't hear this in the wrong way. That, that, that is not meant to in any way say that God is evil or corrupt. In fact, it's the complete opposite. What, what they're trying to say there, that is God is completely good and he is completely holy and he is so powerful that he stands against the face of evil. He is not afraid of it at all. So what Nehemiah is trying to say here is that remember the Lord and remember how great he is and remember that he is strong, he is powerful, he is not afraid to fight and he wants to be on our team. We hear in the scripture that, you know, that we are to fear the Lord, but understand that fear of the Lord is not about being scared. And in fact, what it means is it's this idea about respecting his power, but also appreciating his love for us. Some of you will remember, uh, some, you may have read the book or you watched the movie, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. It, it's a spectacular story. Uh, feel free to watch the movie, read it sometime. It's a wonderful depiction of the gospel message. And I, I won't summarize the whole story for you here, but uh, towards the end of the movie, the white witch who portrays evil in the story has killed Aslan the lion who represents God in the story. 
And as a result, she begins this, this battle of, of evil versus good. And, and in the midst of this battle, it becomes very clear that she, as the, as the portrayer of evil, is far superior to the, all the characters of good. And as she goes into the battle, she quickly overtakes two of the, of the boy characters, if you remember this. She quickly defeats them. And so you, you quickly see the, the raw power of evil. And yet, what she doesn't realize is that, in fact, Aslan, the lion, has, in fact, risen from the dead. And there's my favorite part of the whole movie, this, this amazing scene that in the midst of the battle, as she is now um, easily taking over everybody, Aslan comes to the top of the mountain, and he lets out this massive roar. And, and the scene instantly cuts back to, to the witch, and, and she utters the phrase, impossible. And she, she utters that because you see this look of terror and dread on her face. And then Aslan then, of course, runs straight towards her and eventually takes her out. You see, I think what Nehemiah is trying to help us understand here and the people to understand is he goes, I know you're scared. I know our enemies are great and they outnumber us, but remember who is on our side. We have the Almighty, the fearful God, he cannot be beaten, and he will instill far more fear in our enemies than they will ever instill in us. Or as the Apostle Paul would say in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? We have the Almighty on our side. As we close out today, I want you to think about our bottom line. And our bottom line today is this, is that our faith and love in Christ carries us throughout all opposition we face. The, the gospel message says this, that anybody who places their faith in Christ, anybody who by faith and faith alone recognizes uh, the, the payment that he has given to us uh, on the cross enters into a personal and eternal relationship with him. Simply by believing in his life, his death, and his resurrection, we experience that, that grace and forgiveness in our lives and, and enter into that eternal relationship. But to be in fellowship with Christ by no means means that uh, all opposition has been removed. Each of us today watching and listening, all of us have struggles in our lives. All of us have things that wage against us. Uh, Paul and Jesus are very clear about this as well, that we have an enemy that is attacking us. Each of us encounters these bullies in our world, and, and, and we, we encounter lies that are said about us, lies that in no way match up to the identity that we have in Christ, lies that in no way match up to what God says about us. But if I can encourage us with a few things today, let me, let me begin with this first. If you're watching today, if you're hearing this today and you do not know Christ and you do not know him personally, may I implore you to start there, that, that you understand that God our creator longs for you that he wants to be on your side, that he wants to fight with you. He, he goes face to face against evil for us, that you can accept him into your life simply by acknowledging him through faith and what he's done for us on the cross. There is no better person to have on our side than God himself. Second, for those of us who do know Christ, for those of us who do know what it means to have that relationship, let me encourage us with a few things that no matter what situation you find yourself in, begin with prayer. 
Never be afraid to tell God where you're at and what you're feeling, the things that you were experiencing. Begin with prayer and ask God to intercede. And finally, remember the beauty, the love, and the power of Christ. He too is that lion who stands on the top of the mountain and he roars in the face of evil. No one was more brave and willing to step into those arenas than Christ was. I'll close with this final verse, but as one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, one of the verses that I hope you put to memory, that, that you remember throughout this week, that you say out loud from time to time as a, as a way of recognizing and, and believing the promises of God. First John chapter four says this, the spirit who lives in us is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Amen to that. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I think about this picture, uh, once again, of, of, of the roaring lion. And God, it just brings me so much encouragement to know that, that you are that as well. God, I, I know that you are the all-loving, the all-knowing, amazing God who, who constantly shares his love, his mercy, and his grace upon us. And yet, I, I'm comforted to know that you are also the powerful, almighty God who is not afraid who, who can look evil in the eye and cause it to tremble. God, thanks for that you give us that power through your spirit. God, I thank you for all the people that are watching, listening today. May they experience that truth in their life, even at this moment. May, may they recognize and may they remember what it means to know who you are and the things that you say about yourselves. God, may we enact that promise and that truth in our lives today. It's in your amazing and powerful name that we uh, look at your word, that we pray all of this. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us, New City. We hope to see you next time. Thanks so much for joining us today. And a quick reminder, if you want to stay connected here at New City, I'd encourage you to check out our website, newcity.us, or our Facebook group, New City Online. If you would, extend your hands for a benediction as we go today. This one comes from Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. Have a great week, New City.